If you were trying to decide whether or not it would be a good idea to apply to a certain college, for example, to my alma mater, Providence College, how would you proceed? What would be your thought process? In other words, how would you judge the value of a Providence College education, whether it's worth investing in? Because you'll have to invest a lot these days. Would you make that judgment based on somebody you know who went to the school but partied from their first day on campus and finally flunked out in their junior year? Or would you make your assessment based on other people you know who graduated from PC with honors and then went on to do great things in the world? If you were trying to decide whether or not to become a doctor, how would you evaluate the medical profession as a whole? Would you evaluate it by the bad doctors you know or by all the good doctors you know? If you were trying to decide whether or not marriage was a worthy vocation worth pursuing, how would you do it? Would you focus your attention primarily on the people you know who are in bad, unhappy marriages? Or would you focus your attention primarily on the people you know who are in good, solid, stable, happy marriages? Easy questions, right? Well, that's true. That's okay. They're meant to be easy questions. They're easy questions which illustrate a very important truth. We almost always evaluate things in this life by looking at the best, not the worst. If you want to assess the value of a Providence College education, for example, you need to focus on the best and most intelligent graduates of PC that you know, not on the people who flunked out. To properly evaluate the medical profession, you need to look at the good doctors in your life, not the bad ones. And to properly assess the goodness and dignity of the vocation of marriage, it's imperative that you focus your attention first and foremost on those who are living that vocation well, not on the people whose marriages are on the rocks. We almost always evaluate things in this life by looking at the best, not the worst. Notice I say, almost always. That's because there's at least one institution on planet Earth right now which is normally evaluated not by its best members, but by its worst members. Its absolute worst members. And you know what? You all belong to it. It's called the Catholic Church. When priests are talked about in secular society, for example, especially in the media, the focus is almost always on the 4% who are bad, not on the 96% who are good. Most of the time, the 96% don't even get mentioned. It's like they don't exist. When the history of the church is spoken or written about, the focus is almost always on the terrible sins that some members of the church have committed over the centuries. The focus is almost never on the billions and billions of loving actions that the majority of Catholics have performed over the same period of time in the name of Jesus Christ. And when people who have left the church or given up the practice of the faith want to make their point and justify themselves, what do they say? They say, all those Catholics who practice their faith who go to church, they're all the same. They're a bunch of phonies. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Nice to be loved, isn't it? 
Now, as baptized believing Catholics, I do not think that we should be looking for any kind of special treatment in this regard. But I do think we have the right to be judged and evaluated like everyone else is judged and evaluated by our best representatives, not our worst. And that's great because, my brothers and sisters, our best representatives are literally the greatest people who ever lived, namely the saints. And who were the saints? Very simply, the saints were ordinary people like us. Ordinary people who allowed the Holy Spirit to transform their lives in a radical way. For them, Pentecost wasn't a liturgical feast once a year. It was an experience that they lived throughout the year. Just think of the apostles. They're the perfect example of this. Before Pentecost, what was Peter? Hot-headed, impulsive, a coward, really. He couldn't even defend Jesus to a servant girl in the high priest's courtyard on Holy Thursday night. Then after Pentecost, what was he? Strong, level-headed, a man of conviction, a man of great fortitude, who was willing to defend Jesus to anybody, regardless of the consequences. Thomas the Apostle went from super-doubter to super-missionary, super-martyr, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Before he experienced his own personal Pentecost beginning on the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus was, by his own admission, a blasphemer, a persecutor, a man filled with arrogance. That's how he described himself in his first letter to Timothy. By the power of the Holy Spirit, this man was transformed into the loving Saint Paul, who wrote and who lived that message of love that we find in 1 Corinthians 13, that beautiful text you hear so often at weddings. Today is a day, my brothers and sisters, for us to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives more fully, to transform us as he transformed those men 2,000 years ago, and as he transformed all the saints throughout the history of the Church. Now you might say, but Father Ray, why do we need a fuller outpouring of the Spirit in our lives? Didn't we already receive the Spirit at baptism and confirmation? Yes, we have. But lest we forget, the Holy Spirit is God, and God is eternal. Hence, there's always more of his life, more of his grace that we can receive if we desire it and are open to it. And it's really not complicated. All it takes is a simple and sincere prayer. Just say, come Holy Spirit, and then ask for what you believe you need. A deeper faith, a stronger hope, more fervent charity, whatever it might be. The grace to forgive somebody. And don't just ask the Spirit today. Pray to him often, as the great saints did. And one final point I'll make this morning. Remember to tell your friends who are critical of Catholicism they should evaluate our religion by the best people in the Church, not the worst. By the people who truly have lived the message the Church proclaims. By the people who have lived their lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. People like the Apostles. St. Teresa of Calcutta, St. Catherine of Siena, St. John Paul II, St. Pius X, St. John Vianney, and hopefully someday you and me.